Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 32, Binge-Worthy TV Shows. Chris McBride here. It is Pop Goes Your World, along with Yancey Eaton, as always. Yancey, what's going on in pop in your world this week? Uh, pop, not so much. I've been absolutely slammed and just completely inundated, really, really busy at work. But um, we got a cold front here, and it's been in the 60s for the last two or three days. So it's it's frigid, frigid weather down here in South Florida. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this cold snap. I went to Niagara Falls uh, on the weekend, last weekend with my family uh, for March break. Um, so I took them down there. It was freezing, friggin' freezing. Do not go to Niagara Falls when it's that cold. It's not a lot of fun. Let me tell you that. Um, so a couple things I did want to mention before we uh, we get started. I want to give a shout out. To some new friends, new friends of the podcast, Yancey. We got new friends over at The Purging Hour. So it's a horror film, and we love those around here, Yancey. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's from the studio that also produced All Hallows' Eve. And uh, it's available online, on demand, and in stores. That's The Purging Hour. So make sure you guys check that out. That's one thing. Another thing I wanted to mention, Joel Jarena. He's my good bud from South Milwaukee. Okay, he sent me a message and he said, he used to listen to our our old baseball podcast and now he listens to this one. And he said he loves the show, how I mentioned old stuff that you like have no idea about Yancey. And he also Mm -hmm. likes the fact that when you were growing up, you only had basic cable. So you were always watching shows like Cops and stuff like that. So, which by the way, um, uh, I know know you love that show, obviously. And it was in your top reality shows of all time on on last week's show. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share with you, one of my favorite experiences with the show cops, uh, back when I was in university, when the show came out, I remember watching it with my good bud, John Gott, and I mentioned him on the show before. We would watch that show sometimes when we weren't watching like taped episodes of WKRP, that is. Uh, but uh, John and I, I remember one time we're watching the show and I'll never forget it. So the, the quote unquote cops, they went in and they arrested some guy for something or other. And then his wife comes out of the house and she's got this t-shirt on and it says, if you don't like my attitude, dial 1-800-EACH. <laughs> and, and, and the was like blurred out but you could totally see that it said right and uh, but that that pretty much summed up that show for me um, that's classic you know you catch people at their worst you know <laughs> totally exploitative totally entertaining but mostly because I love the, the show cops because it brought to the world 1-800 eat if it includes getting crunch berries up here in Canada, let's do it. You know, I had like this amazing childhood, which I did. And he went on to play Takashi in Revenge of the Nerds, which is one of my favorite movies like ever. Uh, true story, Ben Savage is the most famous person I've ever met in real life. Playing the sitar and all these flowers would drop on him. I had Reading Rainbow t-shirts. I had Reading Rainbow notebooks. Not crunch berries because we don't get those in Canada. My mom basically locked us out of the house. I gotta stay home and grease the Weezer. In 94, <laughs> that Little Rascals movie that came out. In the 94 but... version, Jesse did they have to grease the Weezer? Oh, my, my, my. Okay, so anyway, this week we are talking about binge-watching TV shows. So, now one thing, young fella, we never did this, you know, sort of back in my day. You know what I'm saying? So, um, right. you, you couldn't do it. You wanted to watch a TV show, you had to wait till next week when another episode came out, right? So, it, uh, and the other thing, too, is I think, and you, you could agree with me or disagree with me on this, Yancey, I'd like to know your take. For me, I think the idea of binge-watching shows probably works sort of best when you're talking about 
serialized shows, you know, like episode after episode, the story's building. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Because for me, I'm just all about watching shows I love. So I would just watch, a sh- you know, episode after episode. But do you think it works better with serialized shows than it does, you know, with just regular episodic television? I think so. Um, and there, it's, there's a difference between certain shows where there's a progression of characters and plot lines and you, you don't necessarily have to watch them in order for that one particular episode to make sense. Like, like the Simpsons, it doesn't really matter because, you know, they've been the same age for 25 years right. and it's every single episode. There's not a lot of carryover from one to the next. Occasionally they might have like one or two episodes that tie together, like part one, part two, but it doesn't matter. But with actual live action, like scripted comedies or scripted, uh, you, you know, anything like that, really, it, it just it's so much nicer to not have to wait. And that's going to be like a recurring theme here. And in, in my list is stuff that where you're, you're constantly left with cliffhangers, where if I had been watching this like on a regular uh, TV channel, you know, years ago before streaming stations, I would have been livid had I, <laughs> had <laughs> had I wait, had to yeah. wait for a week or say it were a season finale and I had to wait all several summer. Months, yeah, I know. You know? Yeah, yeah I know it. That's uh, really only two. We'll get to mine. Obviously, we will get to listen a bit. But my two, only two of my shows that are made my list, were, you would consider to be serialized, where it's like mm-hmm. that cliffhanger to the next one, to the next one. The rest of them are just episodes. But uh, um, I wanted to mention a few honorable mentions before we get started, uh, because yes. it's really hard to narrow it down to five every week. It just is. Um, so I mention this pretty much every week here on the show. But I literally force my wife to watch old movies and TV shows all the time. Uh, poor woman. Uh, like, sometimes she likes the shows, sometimes she doesn't. Most of the time she doesn't. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but, at le- you know, at least um, I, I just, I, I, she's too nice to say it that, to me. That's what I think. I think she's just too nice to say, honey, your shows suck. So I think she's nice to me. But anyway, <laughs> so we got married back in 2008. And what we did was we went on a cruise for our honeymoon. Actually, we went out of uh, Tampa, down by you, bud. And we both enjoyed the cruise so much that I was I was able to convince my wife to not only buy me the DVD set of The Love Boat, but to actually sit through every single episode with me. And, wow, the, <laughs> and the thing is, <laughs> she actually liked the show. Like, unless she's probably lying to me about that, a distinct possibility, by the way. Um, but uh, she seemed to enjoy the show. So, you know, I'm going to give that as an honorable mention, The Love Boat, because we watched like a lot of episodes of that show. Um, and another one that I want to mention, I know you can get on board with Yancey, uh, even though it debuted a full six years before you were born, but I think if you're looking for a great 80s sitcom to binge your way through, Cheers was a pretty good choice in my books. Mm -hmm. And another one that I would say that that we did uh, for Christmas uh, two years ago, um, I asked for Christmas, I wanted, my wife said, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, I want the DVD box set of WKRP in Cincinnati, all four seasons. And I got it. And so she was good enough to sit with me through the whole thing. And if anybody has ever you know, binge watch that show or knows that show Debbie Carp, you know how much you know how much I love it. Like season mm-hmm. one is so good. Season two is so good too. Season three kinda goes off the rails a bit. It's kinda weird, especially the first couple episodes. And then season four it kinda comes back. It's still good. And then it just it, there's no sort of ending because the show got cancelled. They they finished season four. They expected to come back for season five and then just they never did. So uh I don't know. So that's uh, that's some honorable mentions. Anyway, do you want to get us started? We'll start with number five, work our way to one. What do you got for number five for your favorite show to binge watch? So number five for me, um, I've mentioned it in the past. I can't remember which show we were doing, um, but it's Black Mirror. It's a British science fiction television uh, series. There are three seasons, but there's only, I think, combined maybe 15 or 20 episodes. And it deals with technology and culture like now or in the very, very near future and kind of like how it distorts our reality. It's kind of dystopian. It's kind of dark. It's kind of, you know, uh, 
it, it's uh like 1984ish. It's like very Orwellian in like that sense. Um, but every single episode just takes on like a different aspect of of technology, whether it be like social media or like our obsession with technology or how it takes away our attention or. Like one episode uh, was about like an android where a woman, her husband dies and they basically upload all of his email accounts and his social media and videos of him talking and they recreate an android, you know, using artificial intelligence. And it just it plays on all like the, the weird, uh, you know, the, the, these issues that we're not really thinking that far ahead that we're going to encounter with technology. Like we always like to think like, oh, you know, artificial intelligence, it's going to make our lives easier. But there are real ramifications to all of these things that we're building that we haven't foreseen that we can't possibly foresee all of the, you know, all the effects of them. It's it's the perfect like sci fi just it's sci fi, but it's also very, very, very realistic in the sense that this is going to be our reality in 10 years or 15 years. You know what I mean? Like you, it's not so much of a stretch. It's not like we're talking about uh, alien sci-fi 200 years from now, like, you know, meeting different planets and stuff like this is our culture right now. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Like I said, I've met, I've mentioned it multiple times before it was created by Charlie Brooker. Who's a, I mean, he's actually a, a comedy writer, which is kind of weird that he could make something so dark like this. Um, but I guess comedians pull from a lot of darkness anyway, but it is fantastic. It's my number five. And um, I know you haven't checked it out yet, but I really wish you would. It is still on Netflix. Black I Mirror. will. I will. I will check it over. Sure. Okay. So my number five, there's okay. So there's something I don't know if you know about me, Yancy. I think you do, but you know, maybe people listen don't know I'll just let you in one thing I used to do years ago is I used to do a lot of acting I was an actor and uh, just in Canada I just did theater I did a lot of theater I did some children's theater I did a local TV show up here in Canada uh, nothing major nothing I would know of right um, but one of the things that I loved to do was more than anything else mostly because I was really lazy when it came to learning lines it was one thing I never used to like doing was learning lines but one thing I was really really good at was improv and I did workshops at Second City in Toronto and and I did um, an improv show um, in theater here in Ontario for, for a long time it was picked up on a local TV station as well we did just lots of improv I loved improv it, it was just one of my strengths that I had on stage and mm-hmm. as a result one of my favorite TV shows was from 88 to 98 which was a British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway and I loved that show and then when they came out in 1998 with the Drew Carey version I just was like over the moon I just thought it was the greatest thing ever it was and awesome. I loved it, and and to this day, I will binge watch that show. I'm not in this. Okay, this is I'm not lying. When I'm done recording this show tonight, I'm going upstairs and I'm watching a couple of episodes of Who's Line Is It. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm, it's totally in the plans for tonight. Like I love yep. the show. I watch it over and over, and I started in season one, and I and I remember at the time I watched most of them. So so some of them now, when I watch them again, I'm like oh, I kind of remember some of those games, some of the the improv that they did, but some of them I didn't see. So I'm kind of watching them for the first time, and I and most of the time I just make my wife sit there and watch with me. And again, I always do that, and she does. Um, they've relaunched a more recent version in 2013 with uh, Aisha Tyler hosting it, and it's good too. But I still think the heyday was was Drew Carey when he was doing it. So for mm-hmm. me, I could sit down and watch over and over episode after episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway. I know it's a lot of the similar games over and over again, but it just never gets tiring for me. So that's my number five. What do you got for four? I just real quickly, yeah, I love yeah. that show. It's and great. That was that was one of those basic network TV shows that my family did watch a lot. And I think the one of the most overused terms today is calling people a genius. Mm-hmm. But Colin Mockery is one of the most incredibly inventive and just spot on super creative people I have ever met. Like that is a, a genuine gift to be so creative on the spot like that. Like you said, improv is just so like you have to have it in you. I don't really think it can be taught if you don't have that ability to just be spot on creative. Like a lot of people don't. It just it's never going to work. But I, I do love that show, and 
I wonder if it is on Netflix. Do you know? Have you watched it on it, Netflix it's, before? It's not on Netflix that I'm aware of. Um, that, that's for sure. So I, I have to stream it online. Um, but uh, it's it's just wonderful. You can get them on some of them on DVD and things like that. So you can definitely watch it there. Call it much. Funny that you mentioned Call Mockery because when I mentioned my days back in Toronto when I was doing theater, every Sunday, me and my one buddy, we did a lot of children's theater together. We would go to over to Second City every Sunday because the touring company would come in on Sundays and do an afternoon show, and they do like. Some of it was, you know, stuff that they'd been working on. So somewhat, you know, quote unquote scripted stuff that they'd been practicing. But a lot of it was just free free for all improv. And sometimes they bring in guests. And I remember, and I used to bring in guests. I thought, oh, these guys are all pretty good. Um, I remember one of my favorite experiences was I met Tony Rosado there one time who just recently passed away uh, from, mm-hmm. from Saturday Night Live. So I remember I got to sit down with him and talk to him and just kind of pick his brain. And it was just a wonderful experience. But I remember of all the people that came on stage, there was one guy that stood out and it was Colin Mockery. I was just like, who is this guy? He was so good. And then when I He's saw very him, unassuming looking too, which I I love. You know what I mean? He just yeah. you don't know what to expect. But. And and when when I saw him years later on the British version of the show, I was like, Hey, I, that's a guy from Second City. I remember him because he always stood out to me. He was great. And then I just saw him a couple years ago. He came up here. I, I live in Barrie, Ontario, and he came up here because they had a Barrie uh, comedy festival. And the very first Barrie comedy festival he was sort of the headline act for. And he came and did some improv stuff. So yeah, he's amazing. I, I agree. So uh, anyway, go ahead. So what do you got for four? Yep. So number four for me is The Office, the American version. Nice. Um, yes. Yep. I love The Office. I've, I've mentioned it multiple times. As we, You and I, we kind of have like our shows or like our things right. that we that constantly get brought up over and over. But um, so with The Office, I never started watching it whenever it first started airing on TV. Um, it, it's originally aired March 24th of 2005. So I was a sophomore in high school. Didn't watch it. A few years later, though, I was living in in Fort Myers and my best friend had moved to Gainesville and I've had the same best friend since I was like 12 years old I was his best man in his wedding he was the best in mine um love him to death and he had moved to Gainesville and you know this this sounds kind of weird but I was honestly really really depressed because he and I have done everything together since day one and so he got the idea he's like hey you should start watching The Office and I'm like okay well why well we would basically webcam each other and watch it together like he would be in his living room I would be in mine and we would go through these episodes together and I just became hooked with it and that kind of got me through like a really really difficult time you know like I had all kinds of stuff going on at work and struggling in school and you know the the, the I don't I don't want to say the loss of a best friend he didn't die but just having that that everyday familiarity of like your best friend being there for you being taken away this is kind of something that kind of helped you know you know quell the tides basically and uh what I like about the office is it, it is the perfect binge watchable show because there's a dynamic between Pam and Jim who are the two main characters and it's it's very much you're you're waiting to see what's going to happen and how their relationship you know progresses and having to wait like you said months and months like waiting over the summer for new episodes to come out would have been absolutely painful i just like the fact that i can i can pull it up and i I don't have to watch it in order but i almost always do i i think i'm on like my fifth viewing of all 201 episodes from start to finish where i'll literally finish it and it's just like my clutch go-to like if i can't think of anything to watch i just put on the office i start watching it and you know two or three episodes in if i don't fall asleep or whatever it's just always there for me. It's like a comfort food in a way. It's just like a comfort show. It's funny. Uh, you know, Steve Carell, this kind of like, you know, springboarded his career. Um, he's kind of fallen back a little bit as far as like notoriety and, you know, bigger roles and stuff. But it made his career, Rain Wilson, John Krasinski, um, even like BJ Novak, who now has like his own like list app that's like a, a 
iTunes bestseller of all time. It just spawned. It was like a almost like an incubator for a lot of really talented writers and comedians and actors. And it's just one of my favorite shows. I'll always love The Office. And so it's, it's the perfect way to not have to wait to see what happens to Pim and James to binge watch it. So that's my number four. Yeah, I mean Steve Carell was great on that, and it was so funny because the guy he's just so talented, but he's just he seems to be just so normal and down to earth. You know, outside of that mm-hmm. character, obviously. I remember seeing an interview with him years ago, and he was just over the, the moon when he got to Second City in Chicago. He thought that was it. I've made it. I've I've got to Second City. That's it. I'm at the yep. pinnacle of my career. And then obviously it's funny because back in the the old days, you know, going to TV wasn't the way to go necessarily to reach stardom. It was through the movies. And here's a guy that, you know, had great success in the movies with things like the 40-year-old virgin, but really sort of found his niche with that TV show. And oh man, oh man, yeah, he was oh, he was good and not no toys about it. Uh okay, so mine is um a couple of years ago my wife and I were trying to figure out something. We're gonna, what do we want to watch? Let's find a show on Netflix that we can kind of binge watch, right? Watch lots of episodes of and we right. came we came across I heard lots about it but I never got into it when it was first run back in uh, I think it started in 2003 ran to 2005 and that's that was arrested development so uh, again just to be clear I'm just talking about those first three seasons because I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but when they brought it back, they brought it back on Netflix, like a Netflix produced show for season four and they did season five too. So we were so into it. We decided to give it a a chance and because we were just so excited and season four sucked. Like, I mean, I just, like, I hate to say it, like, the first three episodes I watched them, it was almost unwatchable. They were so bad. But mm. the first three seasons were so good. So it was somewhat serialized, too, because it was a continuing story about this family. And, you know, I don't need to get into it. People have seen it. But it is, if you have not watched it, it is eminently um, binge-worthy. You will watch an episode, it'll get done, and you'll be like, I gotta watch another episode of this. It's just so good, so funny. And Ron Howard obviously does the narration, and they bring in, like, Henry Winkler and Scott Bayo. you know, as, as, as you know, oh, God, it was so funny. So, that one I really, really love. So, the first three seasons of Arrested Development make my list is four. So, what do you got for three? Arrested Development is one of those shows where I've never personally watched it, but everybody that is kind of in the know when it comes to like TV or movies or, or anything, that keeps coming up over and over and over again. So like I need to give it a chance. I don't know. It just looked kind of like goofy whenever I saw like commercials for it on TV and I never really gave it a chance, but is, obviously it, I should. I think on the surface it comes off as kind of goofy, but really underneath like some of the plays on words that they get into episode after episode are mm-hmm. unbelievable. Like Bob Law's Law Blog and all just, I, oh, it is really good, dude. You would really, really like it. Just stay away from season four and five pretend they don't exist you know what they are season four and five of arrested development are like the star wars prequels that's the way i look at it so uh, anyway what do you got for number three Uh, number three for me is a new binging phenomenon and it's stranger things i know you and i had talked in the past about possibly doing an episode just on stranger things and we kind of got kicked to the wayside by some we should still do it we should definitely bring it up Um, for sure season two is coming soon yeah season two is coming soon correct um so, Stranger Things is a science fiction horror uh, series. It, it is serial, like you mentioned. Um, but it's, man, it's a love story to the 80s, basically. And it's, well, let me just say, it, star- it stars Winona Ryder, David Harbour, and a bunch of kids, basically. Um, a bunch of no-name kids. I don't want to say no-name is, and they're not talented because they're all very talented. But they, they pulled a bunch of people who've never really been in any other projects that I've seen before. And it's basically... It's like Steven Spielberg's E.T. and Super 8 meets uh, – I'm trying to think of another like monster film to like put into it. But every element of this is – is it feels like a throwback. Aesthetically, it's just – it's an homage to all of the pop culture of that decade. So like it's it's 
it's all the works of Steven Spielberg and John Car- Carpenter and Stephen King. Uh, there are multiple scenes where like it's it's like the poltergeist, like uh, all these different things that they just kind of throw into it together. It won a bunch of awards and whenever I remember seeing it on the homepage of Netflix and a bunch of people were tweeting about it and a, a lot of people had like their cover photos or like Stranger Things and you know all these things are so fly by night these shows where I don't always immediately invest in one as soon as I hear like a, a, a small group of people talking about it but the hype just didn't go away people kept talking about it over and over and over and I was a couple you know weeks late getting into it you watched it before I did You're like oh you have to watch I'm like okay maybe I will after one episode I was so hooked like this is one of those shows where you're going to stay up all night watching it I think I watched like 10 episodes in a day and a half you know I had to go to work and stuff but it is so addictive it's so well done um just the way that it's shot it's so beautiful and the attention to detail it really feels like I'm watching a I'm watching a movie that was made in the 80s only it's high definition and you know crystal clear and you know, it, it's based around like a psychokinetic girl, which is it's such a weird premise, but it works so, so well. I never do a great job of describing why I like things, I feel like, on this show. Um, I just – if there's one show I could encourage you guys to watch, it isn't too long. Like I said, there's only one season, but you will gorge on this show, like, immediately. So Stranger Things is my number three. Season two does come out very, very soon. I'm not sure exactly when. I think it's, like, in October, like, right around – yeah, I'm actually looking it up now. It's coming out in uh, – Halloween of 2017. So you guys have something to look forward to. Give it a chance. Watch it. Only one season. And it's actually eight episodes. So that's my number three. Perfect. My wife and I were binging that back in October. And I remember we were watching it and, you know, she was just loving it as much as I was. We both thought it was great. And then she went to watch a thing. It was right around Halloween. They had a a thing here in town where you could go with your kids and they they had movie night and they were playing E.T. So she took my my son that's seven years old and they went to see the movie and she texts me in the middle of the movie. And she's like, oh, my God, this movie is just like Stranger Things. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, well, that kind of came out first, but you know, but you're totally right. It uh, Stranger Things is an homage to to those movies from the '80s, especially ET. That's for sure. Okay, so my number three, I, I think if if when we think about binge worthy TV, you got to think about Netflix, right? Because Netflix is you know sort of a, a home for a lot of episodes of shows, and it's, it's a very good uh, sort of a vessel for all these uh, these mm-hmm. episodes to sit. And so a lot of people think of Netflix. So what better for my number three than a show that was actually you know produced by Netflix and was a documentary called Making a Murderer. And I don't know if you've seen it, Yancey, but I have, oh, yes. baby. And the thing is, is, you know, I won't get into too much. It's obviously about Stephen Avery and, and his nephew, Brandon Dassey, and this murder that gets committed and, and the way it's handled by the the Attorney General in, in Milwaukee area. And, and and it's just, the thing is that I thought was really cool is when you're watching it, you kind of get the impression. So the idea is, and, and as you, you know, Stephen Avery is this guy that gets framed for this murder and he's in jail for like, you know, years and years and years and years and years. And then, the way that it plays out to me when I'm watching it, I'm thinking that the the people that the the, the two girls that, that directed it was uh, Moira Demos and uh, Laura Ricciardi. Um, I got the feeling that they kind of went into this just to do a quick one-off documentary about a guy that was in jail for a long time, and finally DNA evidence came out to find out that he didn't commit the crime. So right. they were they were there to film. Him getting out of jail and reuniting with his family and just saying, oh, my God, you know, DNA evidence came out. This guy is actually innocent. Here he is. He's with his family. And then they just kind of kept rolling the cameras for a bit and just kind of playing. And all of a sudden, something happens. 
yeah, an- another murder occurs <laughs> and he gets framed for this one or does he get framed or did he commit it or didn't he commit? And it just almost feels like they were they were recording this documentary on one thing and it just kind of led them into this whole other thing. That's the way I feel mm-hmm. it kind of played out, whether or not that's the way it was, but that's the way it certainly felt like to me. And it is absolutely, <clears throat> if you talk about sort of that cliffhanger-ish it's one of those shows where it got to the end of the episode. My wife and I would look at each other and go, we have to watch another one. And it's like, it's two o'clock in the morning. I don't care. We have to watch another one. Like it's just, yep. so that, that just pulls you in that cliffhanger stuff makes it imminently binge worthy. So for me, making a murderer is number three. On to your number two, my friend. As soon as you said that, Chris, I instantly felt like this sinking feeling like in my stomach because that is a really bad omission on my part. I just completely whiffed on it. Whenever that came out, um, my wife and I watched it together, and there are several like turning points in that series, uh, primarily whenever they pull out like the evidence lockbox, and there's a particular piece of what looks like tampered evidence. Oh, yeah. I don't want to spoil it for people because it is so <clears throat> – like oh, holy so cow but man uh, yep. i really i wish I, I, I actually let's let's start from the top and let's completely record this show because <laughs> that was man that that completely captivated me like yep. these shows the, the the key to like being bingeable is like you literally are completely throwing away your sleep schedule and you're completely blowing off work or, you know what i mean just because like you have to keep watching it and that was making a murder and I wasn't, I'm not like into like the super, you know, like, you know, crime type genre, which is weird because I love cops, but like, I would never like seek out like a a crime documentary, I don't think, but man, was that captivating. That's honestly, that was such a good pick, Chris. I'm, I'm surprised that it's not your number one and I I just feel bad for omitting it. But anyways, uh, so what are we on? Number two? Number two, yeah. What do you got? Uh, Number two for me is going to be, hold on, let me pull my list. Which I should have done before. Um, so number two for me is Breaking Bad. Nice. I've mentioned this before: is Breaking Bad being my number one favorite TV show of all time? It is. Uh, you know, it's about a high school chemistry teacher. His name's Walter White. Um, he has cancer. You know, he's broke as hell. Uh, he has like a really bad situation with his wife, and you know they already have a, a teenage son who has cerebral palsy, and then the wife gives birth. And then all of a sudden he has terminal cancer. There's all these things that are going on. And he basically decides to use his chemical prowess as a chemistry teacher to start making meth. And obviously it escalates into much, much bigger things. He eventually becomes this cartel who is in charge of a lot of stuff. I mean, burning piles of money type of, you know, money. Um, It's perfect in the sense that I remember when it it was on – AMC for a couple of years and again this is like a recurring theme with these shows I would never watch them because um, I just don't sit down and watch you know scheduled programming TV my my retail schedule just doesn't allow for that so I remember it was on its last season and I randomly decided to start watching it and I would watch episode after episode and then it got to a point where I was trying to watch four or five episodes a day and this was literally I would go to work I would come home and all I would do was watching Breaking Bad and my wife was like you know are you you know are you gonna do anything else today are you gonna I'm like no like this is this is I have to finish this and I timed it such that the last final episode I finished and got completely caught up the day before it was just impeccable timing I didn't intend to do it or anything but I was able to watch the the you know the series finale of Breaking Bad, Felina, which is obviously it's a anagram of finale, which is kind of interesting in itself. That's a little Easter egg for for a future episode, but um, it's it's just a perfect show, and it's it's dark, but it's also really really uplifting, if that makes sense. 
like who would know that like a guy who like eventually leads to like the deaths of dozens and dozens of people and sells you know drugs to people and breaks up communities like you're almost celebrating his triumph even though you know like deep down it's a really really dark thing to be celebrating imbd gives this a 9.5 out of 10 uh, tv.com a 9 out of 10 and rotten tomatoes has it at 95 percent. it's like i said one of the most critically acclaimed tv shows of all time um it led to a spinoff better call saul which is also on netflix but they don't have you know i think they only have a couple seasons now that's also pretty binge watchable too it's just a perfect show the acting is phenomenal and it really you know brian cranston he was on malcolm in the middle and he did a, a, a couple projects here or there but this made him this thrusts him into elite status basically as an actor and it's just a perfect perfect show so breaking bad is my number two have you watched breaking bad from start to finish by the i way? have not i guess that's gonna have to be one i'm gonna watch what my wife and i were coming up with a list of binge worthy uh sh- you know shows that we want to get into next and that one tops the list so it's just a matter of mm-hmm. getting into it very very shortly i'm sure that we will okay so my number two this one might surprise some people because i think if you're looking for a show that you want to just sit down and just get into and just watch every single episode you probably wouldn't think of a show that only lasted one season only had 18 episodes and came out in 1999 and was set in the early 1980s, but that's Freaks and Geeks, and I don't know if anyone's ever seen this before that out there that's listening right now. I don't know if you've seen it or not, Yancey. This show's phenomenal. Like, it's one I've of those watched, shows... I've watched five or six episodes It's of one it. of those shows you just watch, and it's just so good. You just get so immersed in... And, and the thing is, is the, the characters, they kind of bring you in, but the thing is, Judd Apatow has a way, and, and it's one of those things you just can't put a finger on. He has the ability to pull performances out of his actors, whether it's in this show or in movies, if you watch Superbad or anything like that, uh, and a 40-year-old virgin, any of the thing that he's associated with, um, even Trainwreck with Amy Schumer, any of those things that he's associated with, he has this innate ability to pull a performance out of actors that's almost improvisational in style. I'm sure there's a lot of improv on the set, and that, but it's just like his actors are almost improvisational. Like, it's just so realistic. And Freaks and Geeks just, you know, when you when you think about shows that are set in high school about teenagers they're also friggin phony you think of something like um like beverly hills 90210 with you know andrea who's like really 31 years old and all this and it's just so stupid and and it's just so phony the whole thing but freaks and geeks is just it cuts right to the bone it's so realistic and 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 with the the freaks and the geeks that are in it um you know you got the freaks the guys you know like to drink and smoke up and the tough guys or whatever and you got the geeks the younger ones that are kind of really geeky um there's got to be someone in this show that you relate to. Everybody has to have somebody. And you talk about a seminal show when you look at, you know, some of the, the lead actors like Linda Cardellini and, and James Franco and Seth Rogen, Jason Siegel. You know, it, what a seminal. But even some of the, the lesser characters, like for me, Martin Starr was just, I loved Martin Starr in that show. He was just so good. Who's the guy, who's the geek with the glasses, the really thick glasses? That's Martin Starr. Okay, oh, yeah, he, he is phenomenal. So he's Bill geeky, Habershock. but he's not, he's not forcing the geekiness, you know what I mean? Right. Oh, God, he's so good. And, and then even if you think about some people that had, the guested in like Shia LaBeouf and Rashida Jones that had small parts, it just great show it is completely you just get immersed into that world and you love every single minute of it makes number two for me freaks and geeks so on to your number one what do you got buddy uh so my number one i i cannot imagine and i i I know you did have to go through this but i cannot imagine having to wait for episode after episode of this show and it's lost yes Um, i love i love lost the ending leaves a little bit to be desired. I go back and forth over you know months over months. I still think about the show all the time, which is really weird. Um, but 
I, I go back and forth between loving the ending and hating it and just wishing that like there was an addendum to it. There was a part two to the series finale because it just leaves a lot unanswered. Um, but Lost, man, Chris, I, I, I don't know. Is it is it your number one by chance? It I don't is. want to spoil it, but it is. is. It? Okay. It is. Okay, so yeah. maybe we can have a little bit of a back and forth <laughs> sure. here. Sure. So yeah, not to so, spoil it. So it's my number one. So let's just talk about Lost and that's right, what it is. L- yeah. Let's talk about it. Okay, so it's, a plane crashes on an island. There's a bunch of people there and having to follow all these different storylines within this because it, it bounces back and forth between um, the Asian couple and between uh, Sawyer and between John and Kate. And there's so many different elements and there's a lot of, like I said, flashbacks and jumping forward and jumping behind. And then, you know, this episode, we're going to focus on, on, on these two people. And this episode, we're going to focus on that person. And then to top it all off, I mean, you still have these people on an island and there's all kinds of really weird going on and it's really hard to explain and i mean there's a ton of characters in this show too it's not like there's you know just a handful of people there's what from start to finish probably 50 or 60 characters and and, and every season new ones are coming in and some are leaving you've got you know characters like ben all of a sudden coming in and then they try to introduce characters like nikki and paulo it don't work out so they got to leave you know absolutely and oh and and the thing was when you when you watch season one to me so so a little bit of background on this i i actually didn't watch lost from the beginning so it came out in 2004 didn't watch Mm -hmm. season one heard all about it season two came out I was like, what's this? Like, there's so much talk about it. So so in 2006, in like March of 2006, I actually went and got the DVD of season one. And I thought, I'm going to watch this freaking thing. So I put it on. I watched an episode. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I got to watch another episode. I got to watch another one. Got to watch another one. And I w- it was so bad that I would be at work. And all I'd be thinking about at work was, I got to hurry up. I got I got to get home. I got to watch another episode of Lost. Like I would just have to race <laughs> yep. home and watch another one. And then I yep. got caught up with season one and two. And then season three, I had to watch it in real time. And like you said, like having to watch it in real time was tough because every week to week. But I and I remember like you were, you were saying all, and, and the thing was that they, they would do all these flashbacks and flashbacks mm-hmm. and flashbacks in season three. There's all these flashbacks. And at the very end of season three, I'll never forget in the finale. You're trying to figure out what's wrong with Jack. He's the hero. He's always good. And in this one, he's got a beard. He's scraggling. He's drinking too much. All this is going on. And then at the very end, he goes, and you know, it's a flashback, so you think. And then at the very end, he pulls over to near the end of the road, and he goes, and there's Kate. And you're like, what, 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 what? He didn't know her in the past. He's like, Kate, we have to go back. And you realize this is in the future, and your mind is just blown. To me, season three of Lost was the single best season in the history of any television show wow it was so wow. so good and season four was good season five was good six you know everything was so so but season three was phenomenal to me that was just the best i couldn't wait every week i would just like wait i couldn't wait till wednesday when the show came out so i was like you man oh man that absolutely that makes my number one Man, oh man, that show was good. One thing I'm thinking about debating whether or not I go back and watch it again. And I was one of the ones at the very beginning. Two things about Lost for me. Number one, I thought, early on, I thought, well, this plane has crashed and everyone on it died. And this is like purgatory. And they're all kind of going through redemption and stuff like that. And that was one thing that kind of, and then the producer said, well, no, it's not really well. It turns out it kind of was that, right? But the other thing, too, that got me was early on, 
every episode, you're just trying to get answers. You're like, what's the smoke monster? What's this? What's that? Why is that plane up in the, in the, the trees? What are the, the market? What are all those numbers on the side of the, the hatch? And why did Hurley use them to win the, 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 the lottery? And why, why, why? And then you realize as the seasons go on, you're just getting more and more questions, more and more questions. And it wasn't until, for me, it wasn't until I realized, you know what? I can't wait around for answers. That's not what this show is about. This show is just sit back and enjoying the trippiness of the whole thing. And once I was able to do that, I was able to settle into a much better place and really enjoy the show a lot more. Because when you're trying to grab at answers and trying to like have theories and figure everything out, you know, that's great. But it's how about just sit back and enjoy it for what it is. It's just weird mysteries and it's just some things are not explained. And that's yep. okay. But what I think we should do is definitely maybe have a whole show dedicated to Lost sometime. What do you think? I, I like that. I do right. like that. Well, that's what we'll do for sure. But in the meantime, I think it's time now for us to mess with the millennial. Fun with Yancey. Okay, so here we go. I got some questions for you on binge-worthy shows. Are you up for the task tonight? Hell yes. Okay, so with the average cost of production of $6 million per episode, this binge-worthy show is the most expensive TV show produced since Friends. Yancey, very easy question. What is it? Chris, I honestly have no idea. You have to give me some sort of hint. It's Game of Thrones. Oh, oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> okay, well now, speaking of Game of Thrones, Jon Snow, obviously played by Kit Harington, right? Um, when they were casting the show, obviously he got the part. But uh, Yancey, another actor, was almost cast as Jon Snow. But instead, they gave him another role to play on the show. So it's just a total stab in the dark here for you. But any chance you could think of or name the actor that was the runner-up to play Jon Snow? Or just name the other character on the show that he went on to play? Um, so, so an- another character on Game of Thrones who was almost cast as Jon Snow. Can you, any chance you can guess who it would be? Uh, I've got nothing, Chris. The actor who was almost cast as Jon Snow was, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Iwin Rayon, yes, Ramsey Bolton. Can you picture him playing that part? It'd be weird, eh? Uh, I cannot, no. <laughs> Although I think Iwan Rion and uh, Kit Harrington are both incredible actors, and uh, they're amazing in their roles, but they're not my favorite actor from Game of Thrones. Yancey, any guess who my favorite actor from Game of Thrones is? Uh, the little kid. No, Joffrey. no, it's none other than... <laughs> it's none other than... Peter Dinklage. It's a Dinklage. Uh, It's a Dinklage. Exactly. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So uh, one of the greatest sitcoms of all time was, of course, Seinfeld. You know, it's available on DVD, totally binge worthy, even though everyone's seen every single episode ever made like a million times. But Yancey, Seinfeld debuted all the way back in 1989. You were just, you were but a baby at that point, right? But anyway, when the show debuted, believe it or not, it wasn't called Seinfeld. Do you know the original title? of Seinfeld when it debuted back in the summer of 1989. Um, I have no clue, Chris. (laughs) It was called the Seinfeld Chronicles. Ew. Yeah, believe that or not. That's that's a pretty jarring... I know, yeah. Hey, did you watch the Seinfeld Chronicles last night? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, this show, Yancey, it's often considered to be extremely binge-worthy. It features two Canadians in major roles. Uh, so, and the thing is with this show, the cool thing with this was binge watching a season of this show would take you exactly 24 hours to accomplish. So what show would take you 24 hours to watch? 24. There you go. Okay, good. <laughs> hey, so here's one. Can you name the two Canadians that have uh, major roles on the show? 
Uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Yes, I think he might have been born in England, but his dad was Donald Sutherland, so we claim him as Canadian here. And any idea who the other one was? No idea. It's his daughter, Alicia Cuthbert. She used to do a public television show here. I thought it was Elijah. No, it's Alicia. Alicia Cuthbert. Um, She did a a show called Popular Mechanics for Kids. It was on uh, public television. Like an also very show. beautiful, very oh, yeah, beautiful oh, yeah, woman. Absolutely, uh, it, that that show was actually pretty good. I remember it was really informative. Jay Baruchel also got his start on that show. You know, from Million Dollar Baby, mm-hmm. and this is the end. That guy. Um, so you guys have public television in the United States. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, we won't get into that. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've mentioned many times that you love The Office. So I got some Office questions for you to round things out this week. So this should be Perfect. easy for you. Two Office questions. The first one on the American version of the show. The company featured in the show was, of course, the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company, right? In the British mm-hmm. in the British version of the show, though, what was the company featured on the show, Yancy? Oh, man. I've even watched like seven or eight of the episodes, and I don't know. It's the Wernham Hogg Paper Company. Okay, so here's another question about The Office for you. It's a little tough, but, I mean, you say you love this show, so I'm really going to put you on the spot, okay? If okay. you If you were to binge watch the entire run of the American version of The Office, okay, after you got to the very, very end of the season finale, at the end of season nine, who delivers the final line of the show? It's Pam. Very good. And uh, it's very beautiful. I A I bonus question if you know what line she delivers. Yeah, she talks about uh, there's beauty in very simple things. Oh, very. Yeah, she says there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Ordinary isn't, things. Isn't that kind of the point? It's very beautiful. Nice. It, it, like, I get emotional all the time thinking about oh, it. So there you go. So there you go. Binge-worthy shows, Yancey. There's lots of them. There's lots more that we left off our list. We're going to come back. We're going to do a whole episode on Lost sometime. We're going to hit more of these. We're going to do a whole episode maybe on Stranger Things. There's always lots of more to get to, as there is every week. But for now, it's time to wrap things up. So on behalf of Yancey Eaton, this is Chris McBride saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Music.